All right, we have a very, very special morning with Casey LaCour and Michael Gatlin sharing today about Casey's, your favorite passage, right? My favorite passage. So this is going to be so, so good. Good morning, everyone. My favorite passage in the book of Mark, I'm going to say. My favorite passage (laughs) in the Gospels. Not not the whole Bible. Yeah, I think I need to modify that just a tad. There you go. Well, Casey and I are teaching out of Mark chapter 8 this morning. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Mark chapter 8. We'll get there in just a second. Um, Casey, why are we doing this together? Like, what's going on? Yeah, we're doing this together. I would assume that many of you are aware that about six weeks ago, my husband passed away. And I was intending to preach all by myself this morning. And, you know, I don't know if you've had a deep grief, but it's pretty darn hard to string coherent thoughts together. So about three weeks ago, I said to myself, you can't do this, Casey. <laughs> it's your favorite passage. You love this passage. In fact, it's, it's so much my favorite passage that John Clewer, who's on sabbatical right now, he's our, our preaching pastor, and he figures out the preaching calendar. So way back, I think probably um, November-ish of last year, he was working on the preaching calendar, and he said, Casey, what's your favorite passage in the book of Mark? Boom, no questions asked, this passage. So he said, okay, that's your passage. You get to preach on it. And I was like, yes. And so, it, you know how it is. You kind of mull things over and thought about it a bit here and there. And, um, and then my whole life pretty much fell apart. And I said, okay, Michael, I can't do it. Here you go. You get to do it. You graciously said, okay. And then on Tuesday, we're sitting in staff meeting, and we start our staff meetings with prayers, and we were praying, and, and this verse was just really on my mind. And so we were, were praying, and I was praying about this verse, this idea of denying yourself. Spoiler alert, that's what it's about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Michael was like, hey, I'm preaching on that verse this weekend. I said, hey, you know what? I'm aware of that. Thank you. Um, and he said, you want to do it with me? And I thought, oh, I do, and I don't. As she, as she was sharing some of her thoughts about the passage, I started taking notes. I'm like, oh, dang, this is good. <laughs> and so, you know, I prayed about it, and I thought... He assured me that he would do all the heavy lifting. Boom. He assured me that if my brain just goes completely self and I can't speak, that he's got it. And so I'm, you know, I'm trusting God. I'm looking at you for grace. And I'm trusting Michael. That seems like not a bad place to be sitting. So here we are. My favorite passage. I'm so thankful that you're on our staff, that you're on Mm. our team. And just watching you the last six weeks walk through an amazing amount of just grief and life upending kinds of stuff. I'm just really um, um, just honored to have you as Mm -hmm. a friend. And your, your connectedness to Jesus is so completely evident. And so as she began to share some of her thoughts about where that comes from, I, I just thought, man, it'd be so good mm. for all of us to hear from you today Thank as you. we're doing this. So. Let me just tell you that as your eyes are welling up with tears, that's going to kill me. So you're going to have to stop that. 
<laughs> Just turn that off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna. I was good till that happened, and then I was like, uh. <laughs> I think I have a Kleenex in my pocket. Yeah, there's okay. a box. There's a box. There are boxes. I'll go get you a box. Uh, I'll do that part too. Here um, we go. So uh, we covered the first part. I'm going to read this whole section. It's uh, Mark chapter 8, 27, uh, all the way down to chapter 9, verse 1. We're, I'm going to read that whole thing. We covered the first part of that uh, quite a while back. It was back in February 20th, I think, I taught a message. You can find that stuff online for those of you that are, are binge sermon uh, uh, watchers. And, uh, but what we're gonna, I'm going to read the whole thing because it's context, and then Casey and I are going to tackle the last little bit of it, starting in verse 34 today. So let me pray, and then we'll read this, uh, starting in verse 27 of Mark chapter 8. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace with us every step of the way. Thank you for how you meet us powerfully, even when we experience life-upending kinds of events. And Lord... We just say that, you know, for Casey and I right now today, we, we need your presence. But Father, we as a community, we as a church need you. And would you allow us to learn Holy Spirit from you and from one another today? Would you allow us to learn? Would you allow our lives to be different because of things that you're going to do just in the next few moments here? Thank you for your gracious presence. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anybody about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their own soul? Or what can anyone give it in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. All right, in the first part of this passage, I love the way that Jesus is the one that gets to define who he is and what he's doing. He's the only one that gets to define his mission. And his rebuke of Peter is you know, a part of that. He's saying, no, 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 I'm defining who I am and where I'm going and what I'm doing here. And at the beginning, just to give us context for Mark's gospel, at the beginning, Mark actually sets this up really smartly. Verse one, chapter one, right at the very beginning, 
Mark writes, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. He's writing about the good news, the gospel, the euangelion is the Greek word where we get our word evangelism. The good news is focused on the person of Jesus who is the long-awaited Messiah. He's the Christ. He is the literal Son of God. He's the one, Hebrew context, who's going to restore order and peace to all of humanity, to the entire planet, to all of creation. And that's the reason Mark wrote all this down. And so Peter totally gets where this is going, and he completely misses how Jesus is going to get there. And what he does, Jesus, he invites Peter back into this process of surrendering again, everything to Christ. Whoever wants to be my disciple, verse 34, has to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So Casey, like, why is this your favorite passage? Why is this so important to you? Yeah. Well, one of the pieces is, one of the things that I love about Scripture is that Scripture, in so many places, there are just like these mysteries, right? There are these puzzles. This is one of those passages. It doesn't make any sense at all upon first reading, right? The only way to to live your best life, the only way to gain your life is to lose your life. That doesn't make sense. Right? And um, that the path, to do this, the path to like live your very best life is a life of denying yourself. Again, countercultural smacks right in the face of That's everything right. that we know. And, and I, I'm a lover of mysteries. So if you're like a cozy mystery lover, if you love Agatha Christie and Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple, if you even know what I'm talking about right now, mm-hmm. like you're right, we're together in this. Um, I love mysteries. Because a good mystery will just draw you in deeper and deeper and deeper. And I believe that that's why there are so many mysteries in Scripture, is because it's like God is like, take one more step, Hmm. right? Take one more step. Like, you're not going to figure this one out on first glance. You're going to have to come a little bit closer. Hmm. And what I find that it does is it, it helps me sharpen my curiosity muscle. And I think curiosity is a gift from God. And if, and if you're like not very curious and you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I wonder, start asking God to give you the gift of being curious. Hmm. I just think there's, there's a lot of power in curiosity. So I think that that's like what, what just keeps drawing me in. Like, wow, if I were to really do what you say, I mean, there's nothing light about this passage, right? <laughs> this is not uh, Christianity light, which I don't think is a thing. This is deep stuff. And I believe to the very, very core of my being hmm. that this is the secret to the very best life that we can possibly live. And that's what God wants. So he's just going to keep this. He's just going to keep doing this. Look at that again. Check that out again. There's a, just, a, you remind me of two or three yeah. things. Um, there's an old, there's a really old classic kind of Christian book by, uh, I think her name is Hannah Whitehall Smith, and it's called mm. The Christian Secret to the Happy Life. Mm, I don't and know. This, this is the key passage in that little book. It's like a really small little book, but this is like the key passage in there. If I were sitting where you are, I would write that down right now. 
because <laughs> I'm curious about that, Michael. Yeah, but yeah. well, there, in, back in the staff room, there's a copy of it that I tossed in there. Great. Um, so what's interesting to me is that this is like chapter eight in the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. This isn't like chapter one, mm. right? Jesus invites these guys into a process of mm. surrender, right? Yeah. It's, at the very beginning in, in Mark one, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and the thing that he does is he just says, come follow me, right? Isn't that what he told the fishermen? Come follow me. That's what he told Matthew. Come follow me. That's what he told all these guys and gals. Come follow me. Just follow me. But now something different's happened. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not come follow me anymore. This is like, you're going to go die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. There's several <laughs> steps in there between just come check out where I live and now you're going to die. Right? Yeah. There's like, it's, it gets, it, it, so this gets pretty intense. The heat has gotten turned up quite a bit. And, and so, like, here's one of my questions when I read a passage like this and I think about where the disciples started. Like, do we just want the pleasant things of following Jesus or are we in for, like, the whole deal? Like, just think about it for a second, for yourself. Do we just want the pleasant things? Like, we like the baby in the manger. That's kind of cool. Good Friday, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> right? We like the baby in the manger. I like the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I want to see people around me healed. Mm. I want to feel good about myself, but pick up my, my instrument of execution. Like, I like cross earrings and cross necklaces. I might even go as far as, what, what are those things with all the beads called? The uh, Necklace? No. The, rosary? The rosary. Oh. <laughs> I might even go as far as a rosary. I've actually got like four of them, I, and I use them yeah. to help me pray, but yeah. I, I couldn't remember the name. Like, Happens. Um, and <laughs> I might even go as far as that, but like this whole thing about coming and dying, that seems yeah. a little intense. I think like the full deal is we want to embrace Christ and his kingdom, right? And in this passage, Jesus is saying he's, he's all the way in, and to be one of his followers means that you got to be all the way in as well. And so, Casey, I'm curious, like just as you reflect back on your life, you've been following Jesus for... Yeah, so I'm getting close to 50 years of actually following Jesus, and then I'd say 45 years of like really in, all all in. So just like reflect on the process a little bit, the process that God's had you on to get to the point where like I'm just watching you live the last six months and I'm like, or six weeks Weeks. actually, and I'm just like, I want to grow up to be like Casey. Mm. I want to grow up (laughs) to have like that kind of relationship with Jesus. What? Just talk about the yeah. process. So the, the sort of beginning of this uh, Jesus thing for me was uh, Jesus got my attention pretty radically when I was 16. From 13 to 16. It was the 70s, by the way, early 70s. Yay, 70s. Yay, 70s. And I was, you know, pretty normal. 13-year-old, hanging out in the parking lot, smoking pot, not going to class. In the 70s, that wasn't so unusual. <laughs> Maybe it's not so unusual today. I know, some of you are shocked. I'm a bit shocked at how shocked you are. I was shocked. Are you? You're not shocked. (laughs) Um, So there's that. And through a series that I won't go into of events, just because it's lengthy, uh, God really got my attention at the old age of 16. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, I need to make some changes in my life. So that was kind of of the... um, well, I need to make some changes, but they were pretty self-serving. Like, I was headed in a bad direction. That became really evident. I need to change, but it was, it was like 
I'd like to live to be, you know, 18, 19. And so there needs to be a trajectory change. That, I think, was probably my motivation at that point. And then I went to the University of Minnesota, Duluth, and got involved with University Christian Fellowship, kind of on a, well, I don't know if this is a good idea or not, kind of, I would say I was still kind of in that, eh, I'm following Jesus. I don't really know what this looks like. I don't, you know, like even know what that means. So started doing that, met my husband, Mark, right away, was incredibly attracted to Mark's commitment to, to Jesus, Mark's commitment to Scripture, his knowledge of Scripture, like just all of that. I was very attracted to that. And I, I, I am super grateful for University Christian Fellowship, which puts a huge emphasis on Bible study, understanding God's Word as a vehicle to know God better. And so I began to, to learn about things like inductive Bible study methods and those kinds of things as a way to start to dig into the Bible and, and, and see well, what does it say. And, and that's when I began to like read some passages like this and go, oh, like I kind of need to re-up. This isn't just all about me making it till I'm, you know, 20 or 30 or 40. This is about a whole lot more than that. Yeah. And so that was kind of the, huh. And so it, um, I mean, it, be, it began for Mark and I as we were dating. Did I mention it was the 70s? We made the radical choice to not have sex until we were married. It was, it, you know, you think you're young and you think she's old. They're old, they don't know what, you know. That, that wasn't a thing for you. Well, guess what? It, it was a thing. It was a hard thing. <laughs> it was a hard decision to make, and it was a hard decision to stick to. And we had to think about parameters in our life and not, you know, not being alone hmm. and all the things, you know. We had, so I would say that as I think about, like the, very, like the first time I sort of laid down a bit of me, hmm. I would say that was that. Was that. Wow. I, would, I would say that was that decision. And then when Mark and I got married a couple of years later, yes, a couple of years later, um, <laughs> it was our finances. Mm. So Mark was just really disciplined at 10% right off the top. Frankly, I hadn't given it much thought at that point. <laughs> and so Mark was like, well, first check, 10% to the church. You're like, wait, 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 what? Exactly. <laughs> oh. Okay, second, like, right, that yeah. was, and these are, in my mind, like, when I, when I talk to young people, I will often say, well, you having sex? And they'll say, well, they'll say whatever they say. And, and I'll say, like, that's like Christianity 101 in my mind, hmm. quite clear in scripture. I, you know, if you want to debate it, let's chat. It's not real debatable. Sex outside of marriage is not your best life. So don't hang out with people <laughs> who are going to draw you into that, you know, like yeah, a boyfriend, girlfriend, right? And then... The money. The money. Yeah. Again. Worshiping God. It's kind of Christianity yeah. 101. Yeah. Right? So, if, like, if, if you find yourself, like, not, like... That's right. 
being able to make those two pieces, then I'd say think about it. If, and if you think about it, it's like denial of self is something that pretty much every emotionally mature person does. Absolutely. Whether or not you're following Jesus. Like if you think, if you think that's yeah. hard, like we deny ourselves all the time. Absolutely. Um, you know, have you ever denied yourself a night's sleep for a sick child? Or maybe denied yourself a yeah. night's sleep for someone else that you're caring for. Or denied yourself a few nights out so that you can study and graduate. Exactly. <laughs> we have finals relief coming up tonight. We do, so we're thinking that, yeah. about such things. Or, you know, have you ever tried to lose some weight? Diet, deny yourself dessert. Deny it, right? That's I hard. see you're eating yeah. grapes these days for I am, lunch. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That was like my whole meal one day was grapes. Yeah. The next yeah. day was a little uncomfortable, but you know, well, that's a, you know. <laughs> Another thing. Deny yourself, like, <laughs> deny yourself an expensive cup of coffee. Was that too much information? Sorry. I, no. I happened to look at I saw some <laughs> grimaces. <laughs> deny yourself an expensive cup of coffee a few days in a row so you can save yeah. up some money for something else. Yeah. 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 So basically, denial, as I read this here, is learning to say no to our self-centered lives so that... I can be a follower of Jesus so that I can begin to see the way that he's ordered the world kind of make it out in my life. So we say no to our narcissism. We yeah. say no to our self-preoccupation. Like we say no to, you know, the continual question, what do I get out of this? Mm -hmm. We say no to some of that stuff in following Jesus. And conversely, there are things we say yes to, yeah, right? Yeah, there you go. So we say yes to getting involved in a small group where all have some accountability. I happened to be talking to a young woman on the phone in which I had that conversation that, that I just sort of alluded to. And, and I said, are you, do you have friends that agree with what the Bible says about um, premarital sex, sex outside of marriage, who are gonna hold you accountable, who are gonna ask you the hard questions? Do you have people in your life who would dare to say, how's tithing going? Mm. Right? So we say yes to a community of people who will be supportive to us. We say yes to things that will help us set our minds on Christ. Be that worship music, be that scripture, be that taking a walk and being purposeful mm. in that walk. Mm. We say yes to daily practices of um, spiritual formation yeah. that are gonna lead us towards maturity yeah. in Christ. We say yes to picking up God's word and spending time. We say yes to praying things like, God, make me curious. Hmm. Or how about this one? God, show me where I need to deny myself. Hmm. That's good. And follow you. Yeah. All right, I want to fast forward a little bit. Um, a few years back, you took a sabbatical. I did. And I think we have a couple pictures of you like on this sabbatical. And tell us a little bit about, yeah. like you said yes to taking a sabbatical and walking across half of uh, Spain, I think is what you guys did. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and with a couple other women, two or three other three women. Three other women. Yep. And mm -hmm. like you met a Jesuit priest along the way. Like tell, tell us a little bit yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So this was one of those like dreams you don't dare to dream for me, which was... Um, I'd heard about the Camino, you know, in Spain and the walking. I, I love to walk. God, um, a little bit of a backup. God has 
like, <laughs> almost drug me to become a walker. Like, I, I embarrassingly, I would say for five years, God was tapping me on the shoulder and said, walk with me. Walk with, literally five years, and I was just so doggone busy, you know? And had my things, and that just wasn't in it. And finally, I re relented and began, and it has opened a whole new world, and this was part of it. So I began to dream, oh, God, I'd love to walk across Spain. I'd love to do the Camino. Um, and, but I, it wasn't even like on the bucket list, right? It was so far out there. How could I ever do that? All the things. And then a good friend of mine, Janice Ornquist, who is a, past, a vineyard pastor in Detroit Lakes, she says, well, um, we're going to get together, but i got to walk because I'm practicing for walking. I'm going to walk across Spain. Oh, my gosh. So I'm all, all excited. I have to jump through all these hoops to get there, all these things. But yes, we get there. We began. I spent a week in San Sebastian with some vineyard friends there, and then we began. And we began at Loyola, which is the, what you see there, the cathedral. Um, this, that's um, the, the birthplace of... Um, Ignatius. Ignatius. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was the beginning because we took the Ignatian Camino. We walked the path that he walked to Montserrat. And so that whole thing is about 300 miles. We walked about 150 of those miles. We took out some of the, you know, spots that might be a little tougher for women all in our 60s uh, to do. We followed the orange arrow, which you can see there. That's actually we our first day. Which those orange arrows are sometimes really difficult to find. Really difficult. You have difficult to go searching to find. for them when you get into really a town. Really difficult to find. <laughs> yeah. And we we got so much better at it though. We really did. It was like another mystery, right? Like every day felt like a little bit of a mystery. Will we get there? Will we not get there? How long will it take us to get there? All the things. But before we left, we went to this cathedral and um, <laughs> Vicky, one of the people on the trip, uh, doggedly went after this Jesuit priest after he did a little morning service, and we're following her around, and she says, will you pray for us? We're about ready to walk in the Camino, and this man had walked the Camino several times. So he prayed for us in, um, I don't know, Latin or Spanish, not sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, he prayed for us, and then she said, what advice do you have for us? And he said this, let God be God, it's better that way. And I think all of us were expecting more, frankly. You know, like, okay. Okay. Let God be gone. It's better that way. Okay. So I've had now about three years to think about it. <laughs> and it's taken me at least a couple of years, I think, to really get the brilliance of it. Hmm. Let God be God. It's better that way. Like God be God says, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you, God, to be all that you say you are. It relates perfectly to this passage, right? You're not going to be willing to deny yourself to anything that you don't trust in, hmm. right? That's right, yeah. 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 Like God be God. God, I'm going to trust you and let you be God. It's better that way. <laughs> it's brilliant, and it is. And I can tell you that in the last six or seven weeks when, when our lives just got tipped over 
Mark hadn't been super healthy, but we surely did not expect this. We surely did not expect this as soon as we expected it. And there were so many times in the process that I just said, I'm going to just let you be God. Because I can't control Hmm. anything in my life right Hmm. now. And in in the aftermath, with the myriads of decisions that have to be made about financial things that Mark had taken care of and I didn't even think about, I just, just, so many times, I'm just going to let you be God. You just be God. Hmm. My daughter is so tired of hearing me say it. (laughs) You know, Anna, I'm just going to let God be God. That's right. Because it's better that way and that's all I know right now. I'm just going to let God be God. So to surrender actually involves the cross, yeah. right? So Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross. I think of this as actually just giving up your autonomy, that we embrace him as Lord. Like, Absolutely. to let God be God means he's actually the one in charge. Back when I was yeah. first uh, beginning to lead the small group that was, became us, the Vineyard Church here in Duluth, I printed out, and back in the day using the laser printer, or the dot matrix printer, I had to put several pages together to do that, right? I printed out just things on the top of my office wall that said, God's God and you're not, which is the the basic thing, right? Yeah, it's kind of the Michael version. It's the Michael version. Yeah. Hey, Michael, God's God, you're not. That's right. (laughs) Stop it. I could have said that at the end of it. And so, you know, all too often, cross-bearing in our current culture, we talk about bearing our cross as, I've got a headache, it's my cross to bear. Yeah. It's raining outside, it's my cross to bear. No, dude, that's not a cross. No. That's not even close to a cross. Like, yeah, cross hurts yeah. a cross, lot. A cross is where you die, exactly. not where you just get wet. That's right. right. And I, I mean, I guess, and I would say, if, if your relationship with Jesus isn't hurting, talk to him about that. <laughs> And, and that sound, I mean, and, and it's, it isn't hurt. I mean, I don't mean that it, it hurts for the sake of hurting. Um, and I don't even mean it as a negative thing. I mean, that sounds super legalistic. And I don't mean that. Yeah. I, I don't mean that at all. I, I think it's, you know, like, do you love me? Do you love me? You know, Jesus saying that to Peter three times. Yeah. Like, do you love me? Well, if, you, if we love him, there's death involved. There's a cross involved. And again, again, this sounds like, are you not? They may not come back next week, Michael. Um, <laughs> like, are you nuts? <laughs> Is something one might think. But, but I'm here to tell you, almost 50 years in to this, mm. That it is not nuts. It is how I can sit here and talk to you six weeks after my husband passed away, who I was married to for 45 years. Hmm. Because it's a really well-worn path for me to get to the feet of Jesus. It's a path that I've been walking and taking on a regular basis and so it's nothing for me to get to the foot of the cross. It's nothing. Hmm. 
And that's where I meet Jesus. Mm. And that's where Jesus gives me everything that I need. And that's how I can live this life, which it, it's hard right now, and, and it kind of stinks right now. But it's still, you know, we had so many comments when we were in the hospital and I was surrounded by my incredibly amazing four adult children. And Mark was dying and we were with him and we were with him in that process and it was the most glorious, beautiful, and horrible thing all together at the very same time. And I couldn't have been more proud of my adult children. Mm. And the, the hospice-like people and the nurses kept saying to us, you know, you're not normal. <laughs> like, the way you're going through this isn't the way people go through this. Yeah. And I don't say that to say, although my children truly are amazing, and um, I don't say it to say it in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say it to say it's because God was in that room with us. Yeah. That's what they were experiencing. Mm. It wasn't me being anything. It was God's presence. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live, like, I can't live without that. I not only don't want to, I can't. Yeah. All right, so All that right. was verse 34. Verse 35. Oh. <laughs> We're not going to get to any of that extra stuff we no, talked about. No, no. we didn't. <laughs> verse 35, but you know what? It's totally worth it not getting there. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Jesus' kingdom seems totally upside down, doesn't it? it just, but here, here's, here's the deal. What if his perspective is actually the only right-side-up perspective? Yeah. What if everything else actually is upside down? What if the way to get the very best life is actually losing our life for his sake and for the sake of the gospel? You know, it's interesting to me, all the years later, uh, as the gospel writers recorded the story, all four mm. of them wrote down this line. Yeah. There's almost nothing that they remembered the same. Yeah. Which, by the way, helps me believe it's actually real eyewitnesses. Because you ever tried to have a conversation about a conversation you had yesterday with your spouse? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody remembers anything the same, Right. These guys don't remember. If they wanted to make something up, they would have written down the same thing for every event. This is one of the only... This, this line left a mark on their soul. Yeah. Right? This is a really powerful line. There's just only a few things like that. And then he takes it a step deeper, Jesus does. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit, lose, give up mm -hmm. their soul? So... You just have to push pause for a second here and think about what the heck is your soul? What is your soul? I'm going to turn to the writings, one of my favorite writers, Dallas Willard. Yeah. I'm going to read you uh, two, 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 two and a half paragraphs. When I'm talking about the soul, Dallas writes, I'm referring to the deepest level of life and power in the human being. To refer to someone's soul is to say something about the ultimate depths of his or her being and something that cannot be communicated using terms like person or self or all of our pronouns. What is running your life at any given moment is your soul. Not external circumstances or your thoughts or your intentions or even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is the aspect of your whole being that, 
correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. It's the life center of the human being. He sums it up this way. Your soul is like an inner stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other element of your life. To lose your soul means that the stream has dried up. It means that there is no inner direction. Right? It means that everything is being um, led by the externals. And by the way, there's a, in Luke chapter 12, there's a parable of the farmer uh, that Jesus tells who stored up everything. And when he got to the place where everything was stored up, the farmer says this to himself. He says, I say to myself, and the Greek word is exactly the same for the word soul. So basically he says, I say to my soul, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He said to my soul, I got plenty of everything. My retirement plan has come to fruition. He abandoned his soul to comfort. And in the process, Jesus says that that dude lost everything. Everything. As Israel's moving from slavery out of Egypt in Deuteronomy 4, God speaks through Moses and he says, only be careful to watch over your souls. To watch over your soul so closely that you do not forget the things your eye has seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach your children and, and train, no, as he said, teach, your, teach them to your children and to their children after them. So apparently caring for our soul in this way is amazing. And yet, in our culture today, hmm. what gets passed off as soul care is often just a way to feed our appetites. Hmm. It's often a way to like take those longings, the external longings that I have, and just feed them more, and we call it soul care. And it's hmm. actually not. Like, what the, the first most important step of soul care, according to Jesus, is to place yourself under the authority of God yeah. in every area of life. That's the way you care for your soul, according to him. It's so different. So different. Than what was, what was, what's <laughs> currently going on. So, and what you discover when you do that is your soul is refreshed. Just, like, do you guys know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd? Mm. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my what? Soul. My soul, yeah. right? Only when he's the shepherd is your soul restored. I mean, this goes on and on. I taught last week out of Psalm 1. <laughs> Psalm 1 is the picture of a soul that has its roots in him and that grows up as this fruitful tree. It's like, this is like the most important thing. And so what, what yes. Casey's been highlighting about uh, denial and picking up our cross is like, it's this picture of that kind of life. Mm -hmm. That's what God's inviting us into. It's actually where real life is found. And so Absolutely. here's what I, how I'd like to wrap up. I want to wrap up with uh, this quote that you sent me from yeah. Catherine of Siena. Yes. Another amazing woman. Indeed. And, <laughs> and, then, and then I want you to... Would you pray over us? I would love to. And, and then yeah. if there's stuff for ministry time, we yeah, can dive we'll go into there. that. Yeah. So do you want to read this quote or do you want me to? You read it. Okay. You. Do we have a slide for that one? Oh. We should. Thank, thank you, Lord, and, and, and Andrea. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Doesn't say Catherine that. Siena, you, O eternal trinity, 
are a deep sea into which the more I enter, the more I find. And the more I find, the more I seek. Oh, eternal Godhead, what more could you give me than yourself? You are the fire that ever burns without being consumed. You consume in your heat all the soul's self-love. You're the fire which takes away the cold. And with your light, you illuminate me so that I may know all your truth. That one you got to read a couple of times. I mean, you don't need to do it a couple of times here, but I would say do what that gentleman is doing and take a picture of that. And... It, yeah, it's not easily digested, it's really but it's good. brilliant. Yeah, every phrase is Every like phrase is just brilliant in it. And so that, that, that's my prayer for all of you, and I, I have to stand up, yeah. <laughs> apparently. You can do whatever you want. Okay, thank you. You're an adult. <laughs> yeah, so, Holy Spirit, we need you. That's right. Yeah. You guys want to stand up with me? Yeah. Father, thank you. As Catherine wrote, (laughs) oh, eternal Godhead, thank you. (laughs) Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you. Would you bring your presence here right now even more? Mm. God, right now, we, we want to say, and we want to be brave enough even to say, would you show me those places that you have more for me? Would you show me those places where you're asking me to lay something down? for you. And if you're not at the point of being brave enough to say that, which is a, you should not say that lightly. (laughs) I'm just going to say we need more of you, Holy Spirit. We need more of you to come into our being and want us to want what our soul longs for. And that is more of you. Father, for some of us, we don't have like a well-worn path to you. Mm. Um, This week, Casey was talking about how at the beginning it felt like she had to machete her way through that path, Mm. like day after day after day. Father, would you give us the courage to like, I don't know, pick up the machete and cut through the path? Yeah. Would you give us the courage to do that? And some of you right now, you know. (laughs) You know what that thing is. It's like him tapping on my shoulder for five years and asking me to come and take a walk with him. Hmm. I missed five years of really brilliant walks with Jesus. Don't do that. (laughs) Whatever it is that he's asking you to step into or Hmm. step away from, Hmm. don't miss any more of Hmm. what he has for you. Hmm. Yeah. 
Father, I ask that you would actually like flip our perspective. For many of us, our perspective is more focused on the things we might lose mm. by following you yeah. than in all the goodness that you want to give us. And so, Father, I just ask that you would begin that difficult work, continue that difficult work of flipping our perspectives, mm. actually allowing us to see things from your, can I say, right-side-up perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy Spirit, would you come? We need you. Yeah. We want to move into some ministry time. If you're on a ministry team, Please make your way to the front right now. What we do is we have ministry team folks up here in the front. If you're online, you can click on the uh, prayer button. I need prayer. I want prayer. Pray for me right now button. Um, If you're in the room, there's no buttons. And so what you have to do is you have to actually walk up here to one of these folks and get some prayer. And the worship team is going to lead us in worship for a little bit. But we want to take some time to pray for one another. And like I listened to parts of Casey's story and what she said. And I honestly feel the lack in my own life in areas. And so as you've noticed the lack in your own life, use that as the motivator to come and get prayer. And for some of you, it's a perspective shift. For some of us, it's uh, God's been tapping on our shoulder. For some of us, we're holding on to something so tightly that if God were to remove those and you've actually said these words, I will die. And I think God wants to show you that he's actually the one that you need. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to enjoy the things in your life, the people, way more. Way more. And it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's like the most difficult thing you ever do. That's why he says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. But that's actually the way towards spiritual, emotional health in this. And so... I want to invite you to come forward and get some prayer. And if you've never, if you're here with us or you're online and you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, I just want to invite you. I think, Casey, would you just be right over here? If you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, would you just come talk to Casey and let her walk you through just that initial commitment to begin to follow Jesus? Like, no matter what's going on in your life, I think there's stuff that he actually wants to bring healing to. And then we'll pray for anything. Absolutely. If you've lost a loved one uh, in the past little bit, if uh, finances are tight, if you're looking for work, whatever the thing happens to be, uh, physical healing, we'd love to pray for physical healing. We often see God do really cool things. Come on up and get some prayer. Other than that, God bless you guys. Yeah, have a great day. Thanks for coming to the vineyard. Absolutely.